We are back for another episode of the Mad Podcast, conversations with leaders from across the machine learning, AI, and data landscape from FirstMark Capital. Today, we're joined by Jerry Liu, CEO of Llama Index, a startup that offers a data framework for connecting custom data sources to large language models for a conversation about the emerging generative AI infrastructure stack, how startup founders navigate a field as new and fast-paced as generative AI, and more with FirstMark partner, Matt Turk. As always, if you're enjoying the MAD podcast, go ahead and click the follow button and we will have new episodes every Wednesday. Now, here's Matt and Jerry Liu. Welcome, Jerry. You are the co-founder and CEO of Llama Index. Uh, Llama Index is a data framework for your large language model application, basically an interface between uh, LLMs and, and your data. Uh, and in just a few months, Llama Index has become a very popular open source project and, and community. So as I was prepping for this, I was looking up some stats and this is really quite impressive. Uh, so almost 19,000 GitHub stars, 227 contributors, uh, 25,000 Twitter followers, 8,000 Discord members. So the, the kind of, of, of metrics that um, uh, successful projects and, and, and new communities, uh, fast growing communities tend to have. Uh, so congrats on all of that. You also uh, just announced just last month a uh, $8.5 million uh, seed round uh, led by our friends at Greylock. Uh, I'd love to start with uh, your personal and professional journey that led you to start Llama Index. Definitely. Yeah. And and first off, uh, thanks, Matt, for having me. Uh, it's great to be here and, and really appreciate the invite. Um, so I, I started off, you know, I've been in AI for most of my uh, career. Um, I started off as a machine learning engineer at Quora after graduation. Um, actually, around like junior or senior year of college, I started getting into GANs, uh, the initial version of generative models. Uh, and if you're familiar with what GANs were or generative adversarial networks, they were just initial deep learning models that could generate very small pixelated images of different things. So for instance, like faces or bedroom images or a lot of other stuff. And so when I first saw that, I thought it was magic. And, I, and that's, um, I remember that was really the spark that got me interested in AI and deep learning in general, because I wanted to work in a field where I could also generate cool pictures. Um, so I started um, uh, diving a little bit more into my machine learning journey uh, as a machine learning engineer at Quora. Uh, after a year, uh, then spent some time as a research scientist at Uber ATG where uh, one, I met my current uh, co-founder, but two, I, I spent a lot of time uh, deeping, uh, uh, diving into the foundations of machine learning and really learning a little bit more about model architectures and how things work and applying them in a self-driving computer vision setting. Um, afterwards, I spent two years at Robust Intelligence, which was a Series B startup focused on uh, testing and monitoring of machine learning models, um, pre-production, also post-production. And so there I learned about the intersection of how do you actually you know, take all this cool AI technology, apply it in production and make sure that they're functioning correctly. And also in the process, you know, Robust was like, a, uh, like I joined as like eighth or ninth hire and it grew to 40 or 50 people by the time I left. And so uh, be a part of that startup experience and really understand what it means to bridge like industry and AI. And so I think like all that kind of culminated in, um, uh, in a variety of, uh, of ways. And the way I discovered uh, like how LLMs operated and how to build apps on top of LLMs really occurred in a spontaneous manner. 
Um, right. Because like I, in the end, I think this company is really a mixture of all my previous interests, but the way I actually stumbled upon this project was relatively, relatively spontaneous. Um, I started off playing around a bit more with large language models and Dolly, you know, I've kind of been keeping track of the developments of transformers and all these models over the past few years, but really started just like trying to hack on some apps back in November. Um, and I think I remember as I was trying to build applications, I really thought like, wow, like, you know, uh, these large language models, uh, are not just capable of knowledge, but they're also capable of reasoning. And how can we adequately leverage this reasoning, these uh, reasoning capabilities to really kind of operate over, you know, data that it doesn't necessarily inherently know about, but over like your own personal data or over your enterprise data. Uh, for instance, like, you know, ChatGPT, uh, how do you get it to know about like you as a person or, you know, you as an organization? And so I started working on an initial iteration of uh, GPT index at the time, which is basically or, uh, designed around how do you organize you know, data um, that the language model doesn't know, but in some sort of structure that can access and retrieve. And that led to the initial iteration of GPT index, which at the time was more of a fun design project that, to solve a pain point. But it became clear as more people became interested uh, in the project and it, it got a little bit of traction on like Twitter uh, that, um, you know, there really was an opportunity here that more and more people were starting to build large language model powered applications. And that pretty much for the majority of, of these use cases, um, everybody was trying to figure out the best practices for how do you organize, retrieve, and, and store data. And so that really led to the evolution of this toolkit from an initial project uh, designed to kind of augment language model context windows to this overall comprehensive data framework for building LLM applications. Great, great. So uh, fast forward to today, what 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 um, does uh, Lamaindex that, that data framework that you mentioned? What are the different components, and what do they do? Yeah, so the high level mission is really to connect your language models with uh, your data and basically unlock the capabilities of language models, whether it's like reasoning, agent like planning, or also like question answering, insight extraction on top of your data. And so to that end, we offer a lot of tools to both like um, get your data in the right format. So kind of the ingest and storage part, um, but also the query side. Um, on the ingest and storage part, you know, we offer a lot of um, uh, modules to allow you to connect to your various data sources. For instance, your PDFs, your APIs, your databases, and ingest uh, unstructured and also structured data in the right format that you can then pass to your downstream application and also define additional stuff like metadata, like annotations, those types of things. We what, have, what, what, uh, what, what we are on that topic of uh, ingestion, so yeah. what is the right format? What, what does that mean? Yeah, so I could uh, probably spend an hour talking about this, but <laughs> at a high level, um, the, the trick is, you know, there is a, I can talk about the, the kind of like naive thing that everybody does these days, and, and then the kind of like considerations that you might need to think about if you're trying to build something more production quality. So just a quick overview of retrieval augmented generation as a concept. Um, you ingest some source documents. Um, let's say they're a set of PDFs. Now, the current stack is basically uh, you take these documents and then you split it up into a bunch of text chunks and then you store the text chunks in like a vector database. And these days, you know, there's a bunch of different vector databases from Pinecone to Chroma to Weavia to a bunch of others. Uh, and these act as like the storage layer, right? And so then when you actually uh, say you're building a question answering system, you ask a question. What's going to happen is it's you're first going to do retrieval from your storage layer. You're going to hit the query interface of the vector database and uh, do embedding-based retrieval uh, from the vector database because that's what it's specialized at. 
Then after you get a set of retrieved contexts, then you put these contexts into the language model uh, to actually synthesize an answer. So that's the overall stack of retrieval augmented generation as most people understand it today. Um, and the kind of like naive way to do a lot of these things is you just do some very basic uh, text splitting. Let's say you split after every like thousand words or so, or every like thousand characters. Um, and then you just throw everything into a single collection in the vector database. So um, what we're really invested in is we allow you to do the easy stuff uh, out of the box pretty easily. Um, but we also invest a lot in thinking about what are the additional data considerations that you need to, to um, uh, take on when you actually build a more production quality LLM application around your data. And so the ingest parsing side actually is quite important because one, you know, we have uh, more sophisticated text splitters than for instance, just splitting every thousand characters. Second is being able to inject metadata actually is quite important to actually uh, uh, improve retrieval performance um, of like the, the downstream application. Because like, you know, let's say you're splitting up like a SEC 10K filing into a bunch of chunks. Um, within a single chunk, it might lack the context of how does this actually relate to the rest of the document. And so being able to, to explicitly define that, whether in terms of like relationships or additional metadata can help a lot. Um, and so um, at a high level, we provide a lot of these abstractions and structures so that you can define these advanced annotations on top of your data. So to allow you to define the right state. The metadata is just one piece of that, uh, kind of like the ingest side. Um, now, the, the next few steps is, uh, if you think about the overall pipeline, is you have this set of chunks that you get from a set of documents. Now, the question is, how do you actually uh, store this in some downstream storage abstraction? Um, you know, we're not building our own vector database, but we have a rich set of integrations with, uh, you know, uh, like 12 to like 20 different vector databases out there these days. Yes, and, as, um, as, as, as I saw that, which I thought was uh, amazing, uh, if one, because you build so fast, but two, that there would be so many vector databases in the first place. Yeah, and so, you know, we, we really do try to be like a framework that, that provides the right toolkits, right, to allow users to kind of pick and choose the storage uh, solution that, that makes sense for them. But also, you know, we provide kind of these advanced capabilities for orchestration and, uh, you know, additional indexing on top of the additional storage abstractions. And so we offer support for both vector databases as well as uh, kind of existing like object storage uh, providers, like for instance, S3 or uh, MongoDB. Um, and, and we allow users to configure with a storage provider that makes sense. Um, but the high level idea is like, you know, you take in all this data you split it up, you've maybe added a bunch of annotations, now you need to store it somewhere. And you need, need to be a little bit mindful about how you actually store it. Like what are, for instance, like the collections that you want to store this data in? Um, how do you want to define indexes on top of this data? These are all tools that we provide. Um, and so, you know, our ingress and indexing stage really is about getting a lot of this data in the right format so it can end up in the storage system in a way that can uh, fit in well with the rest of your LLM application. And so that's probably one half of our toolkit, right? Is really getting your data in that in that right format. Um, the second half of that toolkit is okay. Now that you've defined, you know, the right state over your LLM application, how do you define uh, the the compute side, the query side? Uh, how do you actually leverage the language model as this reasoning engine on top of this data that you've now gotten into a certain format? And so uh, from the basic retrieval augmented stack, that's typically what happens when. Um, like typically what you do is you do some sort of like uh, top K retrieval from a vector database, and then you take in all this context and you synthesize a response from that context. 
But what we allow you to do is we allow you to do that part pretty easily, but also define more sophisticated interactions uh, between your language model and your data as well to satisfy kind of more advanced very use cases. Okay, very, uh, very uh, good. And you, you, you started alluding um, to this a little bit, but um, to help uh, people who may listen to this uh, make sense of where Llama Index fits in that emerging uh, LLM or generative AI infrastructure stack, uh, people may have uh, heard, uh, heard of names like Langchain or Fixie or mm -hmm. Dust or are those uh competitors are they partners uh, is that all um sort of still um, you know moving pieces that everybody's trying to figure out yeah to some extent it's all moving pieces um i think there are definitely overlaps with certain frameworks but there's also uh, key differences and so you know let's talk about for instance like blank train blank train is a great application framework for you to just like uh, get a set of building blocks for a lot of different components for instance from like the LLM modules to prompts to some basic like retrieval and and vector database abstractions to uh, like also agent frameworks. Um, we are like almost from the beginning have been very focused around the data. And so just like, um, you know, really what we think about is how do you get your data in the right format so that you can use it with the LLM? Uh, and then also how do you get the LLM to effectively query your data? Um, and so there are some overlaps between that and, and LangTrain, but we're like very hyper-focused on developing deep tech around that and making that really good. Um, and so not just doing, again, the basic naive uh, retrieval augmented generation stack of, you know, uh, text splitting your data into some form, dumping it into a vector database in a single collection and doing top hit retrieval. We offer that, but also a rich set of advanced functionality to do um, additional um, capabilities, you know, uh, uh, combining LMs on top of your data. And so uh, we've almost intentionally made it so that, you know, we want to provide deep tech around this space. And really, we we think we provide a very uh, nice toolkit with a nice set of abstractions for both beginner and advanced users. But we also understand that if you want to build, for instance, like kind of um, uh, things that are not explicitly within our framework, uh, at least at the moment, for instance, stuff like kind of uh, auto AGI or agent simulations. But uh, for those like, you know, maybe data as a component of that, we make it pretty easy to integrate with other frameworks like LangTrain. Um, we also, for instance, have an integration with like Microsoft Guidance, the, the framework that allows you to kind of like have token level control of interleaving like prompting and generation or looking into like integrations with other toolkits like Semantic Kernel. Um, and, and yeah, you know, like also in conversations with Fixie as well. And so I think the high level is uh, a lot, there's a lot of pieces still moving. Um, and for us, like what we really care about is really just being like thought leaders and providing good toolkit in the data and LLM space. Uh, great. And as I was um, looking through uh, your materials and, and, and sites, I saw that there are uh, just a couple of things. It's Llama Hub and Llama Lab. Uh, I think you you um, recovered some pieces here, but just like to 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 bring it home. Uh, so what are those? Yeah, it's a good question. So we have an entire ecosystem of different projects uh, that are extensions of the core repo. So the idea of Llama Hub, uh, as it is right now, is to create uh, a central toolkit for um, uh, just uh, community-driven data loading abstractions. And so what it really is, is it's supposed to be an extension of the core repo. The core repo consists of some basic abstractions around data loading, indexing, and querying. And what we really did with Llama Hub is let's make like certain parts of this purely community-driven and just encourage like everybody to just like submit 
you know, a bunch of modules for certain components. And so data loading made a lot of sense because, you know, there's a long tail of different data loaders that you might want to have. You might want to load data from your Slack, your Salesforce, your Notion, um, you know, your different file formats that you have. And we wanted to open that up to community contribution. And so these days, like Llama Hub is a very rich repository of like, you know, a hundred plus like different data loaders from all different services and formats. And it's uh, growing like every day. Um, and the next thing we're thinking about and, and we'll have a release very soon is uh, expanding Llama Hub into becoming a repository, um, a community-driven repository, not just of like data loaders, but other aspects of it toolkit too. And what about Llama Lab? Uh, Llama Lab is uh, almost just like a fun repo for kind of experimental projects. And so we launched it a few months ago, uh, mostly as like, I think this is when Baby AGI and AutoGPT came out. And it was a way for us to just like, you know, play around with uh, here's like, if you want to have some sample implementations of agents, here's um, uh, ways that you can uh, use uh, like kind of both like um, build that with Llama Index as well as kind of like use different components of Llama Index within that ecosystem. It's more experimental and more of like a fun showcase of what, what we can do. And which is why, you know, the kind of contributions there are uh, probably a little bit more sporadic, but it's something that as like new fun project ideas come in, uh, we'll, we'll certainly add to. Uh, going uh, back for a second to Llama Hub, um, you know, thinking of parallels with uh, the world of data infrastructure, uh, as, as you know, there's like this whole world um, of uh, ETL or ELT companies on the one hand and then orchestration companies, and, and all of those um, are uh, you know, the entire companies, 100 million plus are companies are being built solely on building those connectors. Do, do you anticipate that it's the same level um, of uh, complexity over time? Uh, and uh, do you believe that long term you can do it all, both all the connectors and the orchestration and the compute side? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I think like... Um... Like there's the overall mission statement that we're solving. Um, there's what the open source project does, and there's also the uh, kind of eventual enterprise version. And you know, all three things are kind of like um, slightly separate, but like overall tie back to our core mission. Um, if you think about what the open source project is right now, like what Llama Hub really represents is an easy way for people to get started uh, building their LLM application because now they just have this open source repository of loaders that represent basically boilerplate that they don't really want to write themselves, right? Like no one wants to look through the API docs, like a hundred, like, you know, 50 different uh, services just to try to build an application. Um, if there's something that works a little bit out of the box, they would just use that and plug it into their toolkit. And so it's a way of like, it's an entry point for people building LLM apps on top of their data. And we wanted to make that entry point as low friction as possible. Um, of course, there's like this existing world of like data loaders uh, like ETL, ELT tools, like kind of in uh, probably a more uh, connect, uh, like production setting, for instance, like, you know, being able to ingest data from different sources, sync it to your data warehouse, um, like transform it in some way, get it in the right format. Uh, there's like different variants of these companies. Um, I do think uh, high level conceptually, um, if we're building this new age of LM powered applications, the kind of requirements for the type of data that like you want to load as well as how you want to extract information from that data will be a little bit different than the existing ETL stack. Um, the reason is LLMs have this inherent capability of like just uh, understanding unstructured information. 
um, along with structured information. And you do want to be mindful about how you actually leverage the context window of LLMs at the same time. Like, you know, if you just think about this idea of just splitting stuff into chunks and throwing it into a vector database, that's already very different than, for instance, like how you think about ETL before. And so then the question is, how do you make this like new um, ETL uh, pipeline very effective uh, to build LLM powered applications on top of? And how can we provide the tools for people to do that? So our open source toolkit is going to be focused a lot uh, on enabling users to get some initial value there. Um, I do think uh, there are going to be similarities with existing data connectors um, for kind of more production grade workloads. And this may have, uh, th this, this is something of consideration as we're building like an enterprise product. Um, so for instance, like, um, like whenever you're building data connectors, being able to, for instance, deal with like updates to the source data is uh, a, a big component of that, right? Like what happens if like the source documents like change and then all of a sudden you have to propagate updates from your like, you know, source data to the, to your uh, destination. Um, in this case, for instance, like a vector database. Um, so, and then how do you, for instance, do like batch, uh, like uh, refreshes? How do you update on uh, uh, stuff in real time in like a streaming setting? Um, these are all, uh, there are lessons there that you could probably take from existing connectors. Um, but at the same time, I think the actual form factor of how you do ETL on this data will be a little, a little different. Great. What are um, some of the most recent stuff that you've uh, released? As I saw you had a 0 0.70 uh, release. What what does that uh, do, for example? Yeah, so um, if I had to paint a picture of the overall toolkit, um, well, index started off relatively high level. I think what people really liked about it was the fact that it provided really nice kind of out of the box tools for people to get up and running really quickly of building uh, any sort of like question answering system over their data. Uh, because in about three or four lines of code, you can load data, um, ingest it, index it, and then query it. Uh, and then, you know, you would immediately get back a response. And so I think just from a pure user experience standpoint, a lot of people did appreciate that because they didn't have to dig super deeply just to get something basic working. Um, of course, you know, um, for like beginner users or, or users that uh, just want something out of the box, that works quite well. But, um, you know, in general, for kind of more advanced users, uh, people want to define kind of uh, custom workflows over their prompts, uh, orchestrate like uh, different, you know, um, flows over their data and, and actually uh, write the core business logic, which is really like the, the kind of like um, the uh, prompts, uh, like modifying, like deciding what LLM to pick and defining the wire wiring themselves. And so really for the past few versions, even from like 0.6.0 to 0.7.0, what we've been really focusing on is taking this, like the power of Lamindex as a high level framework we're really exposing, rewriting the underlying abstractions to make it way more modular so that, you know, you could peel back the layers and really customize as deep as you want to. And what 0.7.0 really uh, is, is like, it's a step in that direction um, because, you know, we now have our own kind of like very powerful, like LLM modules, as well as like response synthesis modules that users can just use completely on their own um, and independently of the rest of our abstractions. And it's only if they want to kind of like plug this into a, a more powerful query engine system and they don't want to write it themselves that they can actually use some of our out of the box like data retrieval and query abstractions as well. And what this overall like um, 
uh, what this uh, enables overall is kind of a trend towards enabling like bottoms up LLM application development over your data. Um, and it's a little bit different than kind of like top down development where, you know, you just get something out of the box and it basically works. What bottoms up development uh, allows is it's for kind of more advanced users to fiddle around with like different modules over their data, um, be able to really like start off uh, with the very core building block modules like LLMs, prompts, see what's working, see what's not and then eventually compose them into more powerful systems. Um, and so just as a framework level, it's very uh, nice to be able to have the properties of both like stuff that's working nice out of the box, but also modular enough that you can just plug in and swap in different pieces. And Yeah, that's, that's, well. that's an important point, right? Like, so you're trying to uh, be a solution for two kinds of users or, or users with uh, two kinds of appetites. So both mm -hmm. uh, the people that want to do the simple stuff, but also the people that go very, very deep. Uh, how, how are you thinking about the tension uh, between those? Are there uh, trade-offs? Um, and then as a related question, where, where do you feel the most pool in the current state of the market? Do people want simple stuff or is there a growing community of people that want to go really deep? Yeah, so I think a key philosophy that we launched in like 0.6.0 that we're uh, continuing to build towards is this idea that was inspired by Keras, which is this idea of like progressive disclosure of complexity, where uh, in the beginning, things are very high level and work well out of the box. Uh, but the more advanced uh, you are and the like, you know, um, if you have a higher need for customization, um, you can peel back the layers of the toolkit and really customize things uh, at a very, very low level. Um, so at a certain point, if you think about what a framework uh, should allow, it should offer some degree of opinion because it provides uh, a certain degree of abstractions that are nice, uh, that are like a core set of abstractions that like most users generally wouldn't want to touch because, you know, otherwise they would just like build everything themselves. Um, there, there always is going to be some segment of users that might potentially want to literally like write everything themselves, right? And at a certain point, like maybe they just wouldn't use any framework at all. Um, but it is important for us to uh, capture like the entry users that might want to just like understand things at a very high level and get started up and running, but really capture those core advanced use cases. Um, and so I do think our framework uh, has made like pretty big strides in being able to capture that. These days, like uh, I on honestly think that whatever workflow that you have of your data, you can basically do within Llama Index, um, even if it's a very custom workflow because we provide just very like light base level abstractions that you can just plug in and then if you there are like individual components that you want to use to basically kind of um, abstract away the need to write some boilerplate, you're free to use that as well. What what are some uh, use cases that you've observed in your few months doing this? Uh, both maybe the ones you predicted and some that uh, surprised you. Yeah, so I think uh, this actually probably relates to your earlier question too, as to you know what. Um, uh, how are people using like maybe the high level stuff versus the lower level stuff? I think um, in the beginning, uh, there is and there still are a decent amount of, for instance, like chatbots over your data and question answering systems over your data system. Like these are all systems that are built on top of Llama Index. Um, and uh, the reason for that is we do make it very easy for people to get up and running, just building these systems over their data. Uh, and so, um, you know, uh, we, we've seen people build uh, these workflows at different settings from, for instance, like uh, hackathon projects or startups, um, building, for instance, like uh, ChatGPT like plugin over like your Slack or your Notion, um, all the way to kind of like bigger uh, companies, for instance, like uh, Instabase or um, 
like uh, other other companies uh, a later stage like Uber as well um, using the toolkit uh, to kind of build more um, maybe like enterprise level applications uh, over their data too. And so a lot of our toolkit, you know, for what it's worth is centered around like search and retrieval and insight extraction from your data. So it's not surprising that a lot of the applications are chatbots. Um, these days, I think it's very interesting because I think there's uh, starting to become like a broader range of different apps that we're seeing within Llama Index as well. Uh, for instance, like uh, I'm having a webinar uh, this Thursday, right, uh, with uh, CEO of uh, OpenBB, which is an open source like uh, financial uh, analysis tool. And they recently incorporated Llama Index as a natural language layer to help power like uh, their basically open source Bloomberg bot, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, but OpenBB style. Um, and then, you know, we've uh, talked to some other companies, they're actually using some of the more modular components of Llama Index, for instance, for structured data extraction to define their own custom workflows to, for instance, like just convert unstructured data into structured information. Um, and so, uh, and, and then the, the last category that I think is actually also very, very interesting is um, using certain Llama Index constructs to not just like kind of deliver short answers over your data, but actually generate entire long form pieces of content. And I do think like, you know, generating something that's like a paragraph is pretty easy for ChatGPT to do. Generating like an entire blog post or essay, especially over your data is a pretty challenging problem. And I've talked to a few users that are using components of Llama Index for that. Uh, and so I think like in general, um, we, uh, this very much is in our wheelhouse. Like we want to offer the best tools that build these types of experiences over your data. Um, and we're also starting to see a bit more application developers build things potentially in like the agents category too, right? Where you not only do like uh, search and retrieval over your data, but can actually act upon your data in different ways too. Um, and I think that's something that we are actively keeping an eye on and, and are, uh, should have a release very soon for that. Speaking of uh, upcoming releases, so what, what's on the roadmap, both short term and I guess more medium term? You, you talked about an enterprise version. Is that something that um, you're all actively working on just yet, or is that more in the future? Yeah, so we're um, actually building out um, and scoping out the initial version of what like um, kind of production grade Llama Index would look like. Um, and the, the way we're thinking about it right now is that the open source tool is a Python package that provides a really nice like orchestration framework for you to, again, ingest, index, and query data in different ways. What we really want to do is um, we've talked to a decent number of uh, enterprise users that have used our toolkit, and they are interested in potentially, um, like, and we've asked them, like, what are the additional, like, pain points or gaps that you would still want, right, uh, uh, out of, like, a service uh, that wasn't just an open source tool. And so what we really want to do is we want to develop like a complementary set of services around the open source tool that really helps augment the capabilities, especially in an enterprise setting. And so there's a few initial things that we're uh, basically uh, building right now. One is around like scalability, like being able to handle like larger volumes of data, especially that's something that like a hosted service I could provide that maybe like a Python package itself um, on your laptop might not have the same guarantees. Another is, especially in an organization setting, there's a big need for kind of multi-tenancy access control, those things, right, over your data. And then how do you actually provide this as like a service as opposed to, again, just like something that they build uh, on your computer. Um, and then uh, third is like, um, uh, going back to this point of data connectors, um, we have a rich set of community built data connectors that make it very easy for users to load in data. But what about kind of um, data connectors with enterprise grade guarantees? Uh, so that things that allow you to 
uh, do um, uh, like loading from custom data sources with like reliability guarantees, scalability guarantees, and also, um, for instance, uh, like uh, also have like access control and those things baked in. How do you um, almost personally as a founder keep track of everything that's happening in this space uh, where you know things seem to be changing every day, sometimes several times a day? Uh, you know, both in terms of like your personal information regimen and then um, how you translate that into the roadmap for Llama Index? Yeah, yeah I think that's a great question. Because I mean, I think there's the question of where do I get my information, which is just, uh, I mean, it's just like Twitter and Hacker News. And, and you know, I downloaded the threads for, uh, as well. And so, you know, there, there's a small but growing community of AI people on threads. Um, but then there's also a very valid question of in a space where everything's changing very rapidly, how can you make like uh, plan out product roadmaps effectively? How can you actually uh, make sure that, you know, that you have like uh, maintain like team morale and, and kind of maintain focus and vision of, of, about what's going on, but still be adaptable to the changes that are happening. Um, I have told pretty much to the team, like, you know, there's going to be cases where there's going to be things that come out uh, where like, you know, this really is going to be like a drop everything moment. Like, you know, just stop what you're doing. Like this actually is like P zero. We have to like figure out our strategy for this thing. Um, but at the same time, you know, that's probably maybe like 10 to 15% of like the actual day-to-day -day work. Like we still have a concrete vision of this thing that we're going to build and we're going to make steps towards that because that really is a North Star. So for instance, like a drop everything thing is, um, uh, just this past weekend, we like uh, like Wama Index uh, uh, ended up as a post on Hacker News, and we were going through the comments, and a lot of people said that like our docs were were not great because they couldn't figure out actually you know going back to the previous points like they were able to figure out the high level of what's going on, they couldn't figure out how to customize things and and how to actually you know like play around with the low level modules. So we basically like you know that was very important to us because if new users are coming in and they're just churning because they can't actually figure out how to do things they want then then you know it, it meant that we wouldn't be able to have like real user growth and adoption of the framework so we basically just like stopped what we were doing spent the past three days just completely rewriting the documentation and then we just launched that yesterday um but at the same time you know there are these longer term feature releases that are going on that we have planned out um and that you know we're launching in the next few weeks and these things are really just bets that like, hey, you know, like um, this would be good to have. It's good to spend like at least a few weeks working on this and let's get this out, um, develop it a bit more, make it a bit more kind of usable and production ready and let's iterate on user feedback. So in the end, I don't think the roadmap cycles can be super long, um, but you should have a North Star of what you roughly aim to get within like six months to a year, um, but kind of iterate quickly and probably like a week, uh, two week increments. It sounds like you have a wonderful very, and very responsive team. On that note, how do you think about building a team and who to recruit for a company like Llama Index? Because arguably the generative AI space, depending on how you define it, is, is, is new. And there's uh, not that many people that have experimented with the things. How do you, how do you, how do you recruit and uh, who do you look for? Yeah, so I think it's a great question because it's something that you know is very relevant to what we're thinking about. Um, uh, I, you want to hire people that um, 
uh, in general for like startups that are passionate about what you're doing. I mean, it sounds pretty basic, but like the people that are just passionate are just willing to, you know, put in more hours, uh, do more things and just really like do whatever it takes to help the company uh, get off the ground, especially in those early days. That's so important to just like make sure that your company is successful. And it's something that you kind of like really know it when you see it, right? Like uh, some people are just like very energized about what you're doing and willing to do uh, whatever it takes to help the company. Um, the next part is like relative to like this whole fast moving trend of AI space. Yeah, uh, you have to be like both like technically savvy, but also very adaptable, right? And it's it's not going to be for everybody because like, you know, uh, when you kind of sit down at the beginning of every day and you check Twitter and you check like Slack and you check everything that's coming in, it feels a little bit like a fire hose. Uh, there's like a lot of information to parse through and you have to be willing to just like uh, both aggressively prioritize like what's important and try to ignore the rest of the noise. But also, like you know, not overly fixate on something for like uh, a few weeks uh, if it means that like you know something more urgent has come up. Um, and so we do really try to look for those qualities, uh, right? And, and along with you know, we have a high bar for hiring. We want to hire like smart technical AI people, like the backend people. But really, from like a values perspective, uh, that's uh, what we uh, optimize for right now. And again, you know, it's it's like um, it's a high bar. I, I think uh, uh, there's a lot of people that are very interested in in like working on a project like this. Uh, but we want to make sure that, you know, that these are the qualities that's going to take the company forward. Great. So maybe as a last theme to to close, uh, zooming back out, uh, mm -hmm. any thoughts on where you see things going, the space going, uh, whether that's, you know, in the next few months or in a few years from now, what, what gets you excited um what do you think is overrated on the flip side uh and um yeah how do you think about all of this what do i think is over uh it's good good question i guess i could drop my um spicy takes and and a lot of this um let's see I think what gets me excited is this overall vision of having like knowledge workers um, that like can do automated decision reasoning and just like understand uh, data that's given to it, but also act over that data. I think that's just a um, uh, like almost like a kind of like uh, auto GPT, but like focused around like data orchestration management, right? And and just like really thinking about what that new software stack is going to be composed of. Because on the one hand, you know, you're going to want to define like a new data stack to enable these like kind of LLMs and agents to, to operate. Um, but these LLMs and agents can also be core components within that data stack too, right? They can help like really automate um, a lot of the pieces of like ETL, insight extraction, all these different things. And so just like defining that vision uh, is is very exciting because I think like if you're actually able to achieve that, you unlock like a tremendous amount of value for basically anybody um, that just like uh, that is untapped with like the current state of software. Um, just like the, the ability to just like um, understand and act upon information just becomes like um, much better, right? Than what existing software allows. So I think as we build towards that vision, we want to make sure that like, you know, we're constantly providing these tools that are allowing people to kind of like build this like new world of software to build these types of like knowledge workers over your data um, in a manner that's like very kind of like um, uh, reliable and performance. Uh, and I think uh, the other part that's exciting here is that no one really understands uh, kind of what exactly does that mean? Um, because there's so many different choices out there these days in terms of like what model to pick, what embedding model to pick. Um, how do you actually define different types of prompts? How do you like wire different agents together? 
Um, and then also like, you know, the field moves very fast every day. And so really just like getting a handle on like the best practices here and also helping to define this new software stack is something that's very exciting, right? Just like from a very conceptual level, whether it is on the open source side or kind of uh, more on the enterprise value side. Great. Well, that feels like a wonderful place to uh, leave it. Sounds like you are building a, a really exciting company in a very exciting time. Uh, so congratulations on uh, all the success so far and uh, hope to uh, catch up again, you know, maybe in a year from now or as, uh, as you continue to uh, progress um, and, and build uh, Llama Index into a uh, industry giant. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for listening to the Mad Podcast. If you liked this episode, be sure to leave us a review. For more information on the data-driven NYC event series, visit firstmark.com slash events slash data dash driven. <laughs>